good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be watching us or listening to us, a great wide world brought together by the internet. Last three guys do a podcast are here with our normal weekly roundup of everything that's gone on. Again, you can catch us on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Cast, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We have a giant total of three subscribers. So congratulations to you three. You know who you are. Appreciate all your support. Tell a friend. Let's get that. Let's get those numbers up a little bit. Maybe next week we can make it four. I hope so. Again, I'm John Morgan with uh, Daniel Bolton and Leon Brown. We're here to talk what's going on. Again, the main topic of conversation, of course, will be the NCAA tournament postseason basketball in full swing. And of course, it's not just the NCAA. The women's are at it as well as is the NIT. So if you are in accordance with the group of people who are good but not good enough to make the posts to make the big tournament the NC, the NIT is the one for you great game yesterday Michigan could not hold on against Vanderbilt Vanderbilt won that ball game they will advance to the quarterfinals down by 8 with about 90 seconds to go Commodores pull out the victory so I have to give them a big mention games we were talking about last week of course the Kennesaw State Owls we said that they had to do well I think they did well yes they did not beat Xavier but as Daniel was mentioning uh, before we came on they were up by 13 before the um, I think Xavier just uh, pretty much said hey we're better than these guys and we will prove it over a 40-minute course. So I think Kennesaw just kind of wound down, and Xavier put it in another gear, and, of course, they advance. They're playing Pittsburgh right now, and that game is at the half. As well, I'm sorry, that game is, yeah, that game, uh, I believe that game is at the half. I'm not 100% sure. No, I think Xavier won that game. I think Xavier won that game going away. No, Xavier won that game. Yeah. They won that game. Yeah, they did. They won that game going away. I'm sorry. Right now, it's um, Mrs. I'm sorry. It's Michigan State and Marquette going at it. Kansas State beat Kentucky a little bit earlier. But the big story is, of course, Fairly Dickinson, the team that wasn't even supposed to be in this tournament. That was Merrimack. Merrimack was supposed to get the bid, but they couldn't. They could participate simply because they haven't been in Division One long enough. So Fairly Dickinson gets it, and they shock the Boilermakers of Purdue, and they advance to the second round of this tournament. And the question is, does that say more about Fairly Dickinson, or does it say more about Purdue? I think it says more about Purdue. Another year that they cannot close out a team as a high seed. I agree with you 100%, John. I think it says more about Purdue, and, and I'm going to give Fairleigh Dickinson their flowers in just a minute. But like you said, for the third straight year, they have been knocked out by a double-digit seed. And it's I, I don't know if this team has something going against them or what. But here's the thing. If, they can, if Matt Painter and, and those guys can bring back the uh, – can bring back significant amount of talent. We've seen this before. This isn't the first time the six has beat a one. Jim Nance's elegant call, I think they're probably one of the greatest calls he's ever made, probably the greatest call he's ever made. What's wrong with Virginia, mm -hmm. right? And when UNBC, and I remember what was going on. Me, uh, the three of us actually were trying to get this podcast started. Yep, that, that was when four, that happened. That was four years ago, surprisingly enough. It was four years ago Friday that that game happened, that UMBC knocked off Virginia in the first round. Yep. Yep. And they won by 20. And UMBC actually went to the Sweet 16. So, you know, Sally Dickinson can do that. You know? So, I say that for Purdue to say the following year, Virginia became national champions. Mm -hmm. So it, can Purdue have that same momentum? We don't know. We'll see. On to Fairleigh Dickens. They were supposed to win this game. Oh, I'm sorry. They were supposed to lose this game. But everybody else was telling them, no, you're 16. You're supposed to lose this game. They came in as the smallest team in the entire, in the entire tournament. In fact, I believe they're the smallest team in the country. And how did they beat Purdue? When you're a small team, what do you do? You run and shoot. And that's what happened. They exceeded at running and shooting, and they executed their game plan well. They sped the game up instead of Purdue slowing the game down. And that's what you have to do when you 
are going up against a big team. You got Zach Eady, who is seven foot three or four in the middle. You're not going to contain that. But if you run him down the court, you're going to outbeat him because you're faster than him because you're smaller. Fairleigh Dickinson is is playing like they're not supposed to be here, and they're not supposed to be here. <laughs> so they're playing to that monarchy. Right. Hey, listen, we crashed the dance. So we're going to dance. And the, who, who did we play tonight? FAU. I think it's Florida Atlantic. Yeah, Florida, Atlantic. Florida Atlantic tonight. Florida Atlantic. Uh, another team, another team who, gets, who possibly can get a sweet 16 bid. But, oh my goodness. <laughs> another team that you're like, Florida Atlantic in the sweet 16? It's going to make for a great matchup tonight, but Florida Atlantic better be careful because Fairleigh Dickinson, they do everything right. They can defend, they can shoot, and when they rebound, they get out to the open court. That is a dangerous, dangerous tournament team, and they're going to be dangerous along the way. I tip my hat off to Fairleigh Dickinson, but I should be upset because they did break my bust my bracket, but guess what? They bust everybody's bracket, and ESPN gives you a second chance. Exactly. So we're good to go. <laughs> exactly. No brackets were left perfect after that victory by Fairleigh Dickinson. And, of course, if you really want to feel bad, feel bad for our President Biden. He picks his team to, He picks his team as Arizona, and they lose to Princeton in the first round. So this is, I mean, again, it's it, we we're always going to get a one. Uh, I'm sorry, a two seed beating a 15. It will usually happen. And this time, Princeton knocks off Arizona. What do you think about what do you think about uh, how that one fared for the Tigers? I, I that was that one was an interesting one. I I think I was more shocked at Princeton losing than I was at Fairleigh Dickinson. I'm sorry, Princeton winning and Fairleigh Dickinson winning. Yep. Because I, I, I just didn't think that Princeton was a better basketball team than Arizona. But you know what? When it comes to the tournament, when it comes to the dance, it doesn't matter if you're better or not. You have to be better for that one game. And that's the pageantry and that's the, the beauty of the tournament. It's one game. Arizona can beat that team with their eyes closed probably 15 or 20 times. But in that but that twenty, but that sixteenth or twenty-first turn, mm -hmm. Princeton will get you because they have a chance. They have a bounce chance. They're a basketball bounce away from winning, and that's what happened with them. That they, again, another great shooting team. This is what we could get out of these mid-major conferences and these 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 lower conferences. This is what you get out of the Ivy, out of your Ivy leagues and the Missouri Valleys and the. In, in the uh, American East. In Ohio Valley, American East conferences. Yeah, this is what you get out of teams like this. You get teams who could run, who could defend, who could shoot the three ball. And it, they make plays crucial down the stretch. These power five teams that are getting beat, it, it's almost like, man, this team is close. And this could happen to us. Oh no, and, and they get into panic mode. Yeah. Well, you have these other teams who are like a, a family Dickinson who says, We don't care. <laughs> we ain't supposed to be here. Right. So we <laughs> we stepping in for Merrimack because they can't dance. They can't find their outfit. They can't find their clothes, but we got ours on. <laughs> we got ours on. <laughs> exactly. And we going to dance. We're going to dance the night away. And, and that's what they're doing. And it, it, and so is Princeton. And Ivy League school. Hey, man, some smart kids up there, man. <laughs> they know what they're doing. It's it more shocking to me because I had Arizona. I had Arizona in the Elite Eight. Oh. I thought Arizona were one of the top teams. But I, I'm not surprised at all because this is what this season has been saying to us. We have had, what, I believe 10 different it could be more than that, but we've had more different teams land at number one than any other year uh, in in college basketball since the AP polls came out. So it was bound to be this way. Remember, North Carolina was AP preseason number one, and they didn't even get invited to the tournament. 
Yep, and they didn't even elect to go they, to the They NIT. didn't even want to play in the NIT. Yeah, they didn't even want to play there. Yeah, they thought it's, it's NCAA or bust. So. Yeah. And they busted. Leon, you had a point. Yeah, what if Freddie Dickinson pulls a brother 2009? I hope they do. Well, remember, I do. Yeah, I hope they do. But that but, wow. that Butler team was a very good top to bottom team. People forget it how was. good people forget how good that Butler team really was. Yeah, and now this year, I believe we're going to have another tournament. Well, I know this one for sure. No number one seeds in the final four, potentially. Potentially, it's potentially, potentially. I, 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 Although I don't think that's going to happen, I think Alabama is too good. I think Houston's right too now. But well, here's the thing about Houston. Here's the interesting, the in, intriguing part about Houston. If Sasser is not healthy, and if Sasser can't go, I think they're in trouble deep in. If they have to run into Texas, John, I think that they're in trouble. Okay. I, I really do. If but if they run into any other team out of that out of their uh, out of their region. Which I think is the Midwest region. Mm-hmm. If, if they run into anybody else, I think they're fine, and I and I see your point. But if they have to run into Texas, and Sasser is not a hundred percent, Houston, I don't I don't think Houston gets to gets to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a final four is. I don't think they get back home. Yeah. Well, um, Jamal Sheed and Marcus Sasser. I think. Well, Marcus Sasser he had a groin injury, right? Yeah, Marcus Sasser has the groin injury. And and Jamal Sheed has the knee. Yes. Yep. And Sheed is talk, important too. Yeah, like I think they'll go, but Marcus Sasser hasn't finished a game in a week. Hasn't <laughs> finished a game, and we we if <clears throat> you know it, it it can't be confirmed that if Sasser can give one hundred percent for the Cougars. So it's going to be kind of hard to predict the outcome. Of Houston ending in in the Houston game ending Houston favor. It's kind of hard, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. So I think we might get knocked off. Well, again, I, but we both agree that Alabama is just looking absolutely unstoppable. They're very good. They should make. I mean, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna get back. Make it to Houston easily. Well, maybe not easily, but I think they probably got the best shot out of all the top seeds to get there. Absolutely. And yeah. Kansas is gone. Kansas left us yesterday. Yep. Uh, Arkansas pulled that one off. I I didn't see that one coming. I did. I didn't think Kansas was a Final Four team because mm-hmm. I didn't think they was going to get out of their region. I think Gonzaga is going to get out of this region. Uh, Gonzaga is a team that is kind of embracing what they've been embracing before. Listen, they've been to the national title game twice, and it's both it came up empty twice, right? right? But they were favorites in both of those games. But this time, it's like, you know what? We're gonna sit back and play like the darlings that we were back in '98 and '99 when they when they just came out of nowhere and nobody knew what or where a Gonzaga was located mm-hmm. and what a Zag was, right? So, yeah. and, and and now you have them, they're a national powerhouse, but they just kind of sitting back they, at that three seed. They had what, I believe, two, just two teams come out of the West Coast Conference uh, this year, or maybe three, I think they, it was two or three teams. Well, St. Mary's is but, in there. Well, St. Mary's was in there, so I think those were the only two teams right. uh, they got the bid. Uh, but in the past, but I think last season they had three teams that had a bid: St. Mary's and San Francisco. So it, it's it's so they look so sneaky, and they're so good. And I think when they lost to St. Mary's at the uh, around the season finale of some sort at St. Mary's. I think that that just put a spark in them and may have clicked at the right time. So I, I like Gonzaga, but that but what they're going to run into is a very very good UCLA team. And remember that that great Final Four game that we had a couple of years ago with Gonzaga and UCLA. So we're going to see that rematch, I believe. And so 
it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I I really love the way this tournament is shaping out. And then Kansas State, I'm looking at uh, CBS right now, Kansas State, I forgot about them. They beat Kentucky, and they advanced to the Sweet 16 yeah, today. Kansas State's in, and Kentucky's gone. A six seed, Kentucky loses to the three seed, Kansas State. So no, no surprise mm-hmm. there. Of course, you got this Michigan State-Marquette game that's going on right now. And the seven seed, Michigan State is, well, they were ahead as they just started the second half. Marquette just hit a three to go up by one point. And this looks like this will be a tight game throughout the, the second half as well. Uh, again, moving on to the women's tournament, no surprise. This is South Carolina's this is South Carolina's tournament to lose. Uh, Aaliyah Boston, of course, has just put it into another just another level. I don't see how anyone's going to beat them. If anyone does beat them, it'll be UConn, and they know what it's like to play postseason probably better than anybody. But I do think this this women's tournament is South Carolina's to lose. They had an undefeated season. Did not lose a game, and I don't think they're going to lose one here. But the format is kind of weird for the women's tournament, and I really didn't know how weird it was until they got down and announced the teams that are in it, simply because the the Elite Eight, or the the Sweet 16, will not be in four sites for the women's tournament. It'll be in two. It'll be in two. Seattle, yep. and, uh, yeah, Seattle, they're going to be completely across the country. And the women's have always tried to cut costs, which is why the top four seeds always host a sub-regional. They always host. That's why they're just trying to cut the costs down. But this is kind of of weird. And, I mean, if you're going to do it this way, then you might as well do that final four game while while, while you're together. You might, I mean, I don't, you might as well. You got the two teams, you got the two teams there. So just do it and then do the national championship, you know, wherever uh, for, for one game. So it's just, like I said, the NCAA always tries to cut costs with the women's tournament. Um, and it just kind of it just kind of affects its quality. It affects how it's perceived. It affects everything about it. Again, I don't agree with it. But hey, that's like I said, that's life of the that's life of the NCAA. They've always been trying to adjust ever since COVID. And this is just simply another factor in them just trying again to uh, get the most, get the most with the least effort. I suppose would be the best way to describe it. It's about it's, it's called profit maximization. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I guess yeah, and 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 I'm I'm with you on the. I, on the final, on the on the Sweet Sixteen format, I'm with you. Uh-huh. Um, th- when when they have two, just two regions, I'm I'm I, I'm just like, man, how, well, how are you going to do that? <laughs> so now that means you have to cram eight games into <laughs> into. Well, I'm sorry. You, well, you you yeah, you cram four games. You actually you actually going to have four games uh-huh. in that Sweet Sixteen round, right? You know. Now, unless uh, are they going to be in the same arena? I, I don't know, but that's, another, that's, that's I, I, I just I just find it to be kind of weird this year, and I, and I'm just interested to see how the NCAA is going to handle this with the women. I, I will say this: I'd like to. I, I do think. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I will say this real quick. I, I think what I do like, I've always liked that the top sixteen. Uh, that that the committee selects gets to host the sub region. I do like that. Okay. I, I am. I am. I have always been a fan of that. I've always thought that the men should do that. Hmm. And then you you once you advance to the Sweet Sixteen, now you're in whatever, whatever whoever's hosting that region. Right. See, I- I've always thought that that should happen. I, I've always liked that. Now, now I'm going. Now I'm going to argue against you because, mm-hmm. for, because first of all, if you do that, if you do that, you will never have a 16 beat a one. Never. The only reason why uh. 16s can beat a one is uh, they're on neutral courts. Only way it can, because when you're home, you're going to have that huge home following, and like it or not, mm-hmm. the home following, while it may not overtly affect the officials it'll definitely affect them 
subconsciously. Mm-hmm. That's why they all. That's why the home team always seems to get the calls. Because, like it or not, the home team fans are subconscious are are affecting the officials whether they know it or not. So if you and, do if you do that, a sixteen will never be to mm-hmm. well, if, if they did that, sixteen will never be to one. At least if you're on a neutral court, you have sure. you have a puncher's chance. Maybe not a good chance now, but you got a puncher's chance. Now here's the thing about that, and then that's fair. That's a fair point. But let's look at the case of Houston and Arbor, mm-hmm. who where where Jay Billis actually made a great point. There needs to be a subcommittee because when the committee actually came out with the bracket, did they not think that Arbor would not beat Ar- would not have a chance to beat Iowa, and they're in a and and their sub-region game is in Birmingham, Alabama, and they're taking on a one seed in Houston, and Houston is playing a road game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They the the committee would have to ha- they need a subcommittee for that because that was not fair to Houston. Houston is a number one seed, and they practically and basically played their second round game on the road against a home team in Auburn. Yeah, that's true. Which was in Birmingham. Yeah. And admittedly, and admittedly, it's Alabama. That's Alabama country. So of course, all the Alabama yeah. fans, they're gonna come, and they're, and while their noses may be held up in the air, they're gonna root for Auburn. They're not crazy about the idea. They're not thrilled with it. But they're, but for, but for two hours, they're gonna be, they're gonna root for Auburn. And and for Auburn, this the travel is not not bad. Go ahead, Leon. Do you believe that the committees are thinking more thinking more of the casual fan versus the spirit of competition? Well, well, to to that point, I can't wait to see what the women's final four numbers or attendance is going to be in Seattle. Seattle is a basketball madhouse. They love their hoops, and and surprisingly, they don't seem to differentiate between men's and women's. The Seattle Storm has always drawn well in the Pacific Northwest. Always been one of the WNBA's best best draws. They will support that. They will they support pro bas- basketball in any form. So I am really curious to see how well Seattle does in terms of in terms of the numbers. But to your point, but again, to your point, yeah, I, th- I think we're at the we're at the juncture where where people who have no idea about college basketball get into it for a I would say just for these four days. And if your bracket survives this four days, then you'll kind of look at the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I, th- I think we're kind of at that. I think we're kind of at that point with the casual fan in college basketball even the most even the most uninterested observer becomes a college basketball fan at least for the curiosity of it for these four days you yeah, remember at one point in time for example in 2014 the, the tournament grossed over, had a gross over a billion dollars yeah yep and it's not surprising yeah. And the bulk of that was casual money. Yep. And it'll be interesting this season because the West Regional is going to be in Vegas. Mm. So that will be interesting to see how how that how the what the numbers look like for that. It'll be in Allegiant. Um, they're gonna. That's probably gonna be the first real big basketball event to be held at that new stadium. So, and of course, Vegas will host the Final Four. I think in twenty twenty in twenty twenty seven. I think is when it gets over there. So that, so this is a trial run to see what it's going to look like. And of course, it all depends. A lot of it depends on the teams. But of course, Vegas is that travel destination anyway. So I think a lot of teams, a lot of fans anyway, will try to make that trek. And it should be very interesting to see what the. Uh, what the numbers and what it's going to look like. Of course, play, you lose something playing basketball at a football field. 
I think a, I think a, another thing is with all these sub regionals, they're at they're at they're at venues that are normally designed for basketball. I think you lose something. Not you don't lose much, but when you take this cavernous facility that's supposed to host football, you shut off half of it. I mean, when when the tournament goes to the Georgia, well, what used to be the Georgia Dome now 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 Mercedes Benz Stadium, and in, even in the old Phillips Arena, they shut uh, well they shut off about half the building. They take a they take a curtain and just separate half the building, so you kind of take that out right there and it, and you'll lose the immediacy you lose um yeah you just lose the fact that you're right at the right close to the action you lose that when you put a basketball venue into a football venue when you turn a basketball uh, football field into a basketball field kind of lose something along along those lines not much but maybe the maybe the it, it, it really doesn't change anything when you watch it on TV. But you can really tell when you go in person and you see that happening. And John, one omission: um, oh, uh, the final four in Las Vegas will be in 2028. Okay, so I was off by a year. Off by a year, Detroit will have it in 2027. Okay. Indianapolis in 26, San Antonio in 25. And next season, it will be in Phoenix. Okay. And Atlanta will be set to host a region, uh, the South region, in 2025. Okay. So two years you'll be able to see that. Okay. So I knew it was going to Vegas. I was just off by a year. Yeah, you were off by a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No problem with that. So, that I mean, that's, that's like I said, that's what I think. Um, I hope the numbers look – I hope the numbers will be good. I hope they'll look good, especially for that women's – Regional semifinal regional it's up in Seattle. I wanted I want to make mm -hmm. sure that things happen. That especially for the women's game, it needs it always seems to need help and needs all the help it can get. Especially in this, which is why, as I said earlier, I've been kind of bouncing around between NCAA's women's and even the NIT. Haven't gotten to the CBI yet, but I might get there before before too long. I think there's some games tomorrow, mm -hmm. so. So that's that's what I think. Uh, so uh, Daniel, have you been uh, checking out any girl, any women's action at all, or or do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I've been. Did you say me or Leon? Well, you first. Okay. Um. So I've watched a little bit of it. I mean, listen. I I with it's it's funny between the women and the and the men. Mm -hmm. You you kind of already know because. The Power Five Conference and women's college basketball are so much more superior. Yes, you do have a couple of mid-major teams. You have your Green Bays. You have your Florida Gulf Coast. Oh, yes. You have those teams who you expect for those to get by. Even Princeton. Princeton uh, always seems to beat somebody every year. In fact, there was a year that they went unbeaten and they were an eight seed. And I thought that that was just utterly ridiculous. But they still, you know, did what they needed to do. Um, listen, it's like you said, John, I, I think it's a crash course collision for another UConn South Carolina showdown mm -hmm. in the national championship game. And listen, Aaliyah Boston is just, you thought she was good last year. I think she's even better this year and she has better talent around her and what better coach to have than coach Don stated always admired her even when she was with team USA. Um, but even as a coach, man, she just puts that. She just coaches in a different on a different level, and she gets the best out of her players. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, Mino Gino, it, it, he has went through so much adversity this year. He's lost Paige Beckers again, who to me was was probably going to be what I what I think uh, Caitlin Clark is over at Iowa. Yep, right. That's what, that's what Paige Beckers was set to be. But the knee injury is hurting. But listen, if Ferd is there, and if Aaliyah Williams is playing as good as she's playing, I, I think UConn, UConn could, could possibly give South Carolina trouble in that series. In fact, when I was filling out my bracket, it actually took me two hours to pick that game. Wow! Because I think UConn could actually be the only team in the nation 
that could stop South Carolina. If if somehow, some way, UConn doesn't get to the national title game and somebody else does, I can't give you another team who can beat them. Not even Iowa. Iowa played Georgia today, correct? Because I watched the start. Yes. Okay, because well, I watched the start of that, and I never really got back to figure it out. I assume Hawkeyes won that game and sent Georgia packing. I'm again. I, I watched the right. Georgia, I watched the beginning of it, but I never got back to it. And I never caught the end of it. And Georgia beat Florida State to get to the second round of the ten seed. Um, I'm the sorry. Seed. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, Iowa won seventy-four sixty-six. Okay. All right. Cool. So I did see that. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Leon, do you have – I mean, have you yeah, – with, with, with the women's ball, I'm noticing that it's going to be pretty uniform. I think, all, all, I, think the final, I think the final four will have more number one seeds, i.e. Stanford and South Carolina will be in the final four. I've, I've been noticing that within the women's game, no lead is really safe. Mm-hmm. For example, within four hours, we have Georgia, Princeton, and South Florida all all, all raised deficits and went in and, and, and went in for the Ws. That's that that's that, that's very exciting. Only thing, only difference is, is there's just no dunks. Yeah, but there, there, it is it is good it is good competition, and that's something that for those of us who are competition purists can appreciate. That's that's absolutely true, absolutely true on that. I'm John Morgan with uh, Daniel Bolton-Leon here. We're talking sports here on the last three guys do a podcast. Appreciate you listening to us again. Like that. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We appreciate all your support. Uh, we've been talking NCAA tournament action for the last half hour. So let's move a little bit over to the NFL. And uh, again, the league's calendar year started Wednesday in terms of actually signing free agents and negotiating, and for the Atlanta Falcons, they have all this cap money, but they're not really doing much with it. They're making some moves. They're getting some players, and I think the big name they got was Taylor Heineke, uh, who played for the Commanders last season, started a couple of games. He's out of Collins Hill, so he's a local kid. Atlantans know him well, went to Old Dominion. And I think he is probably the be- the biggest name that Atlanta has gotten has gotten so far. Uh, they still have a ton of free agents that they have to uh, deal with. They uh, re-up Lorenzo Carter to help the defense out. That I thought I like that move, but they're not really making any splashes with all this cap money that they have. And I'm just wondering if they're waiting for another shoe to drop. They said that okay, we're not going to. This pretty much takes them out of the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Uh, pretty much takes them out of any sweepstakes regarding a top quarterback and who is that that's okay All right, hold on so i think um again the falcons have a lot of cap money but they're just not de- they're just not doing anything with it uh we, big news in the nfl brandon cooks just signed with the cowboys we'll get leon's take on that in a moment uh but first do you agree with what the falcons philosophy has been so far okay so this is what uh, some of the moves that atlanta has made Yes, that is one of them up, up in Lorenzo Carter, but there's actually about two more bigger moves than that. Um, it, yeah, getting Carter back is a great move, but re-signing Lindstrom, oh, yes. five years, $105 million, yes. that is a huge move. That he, he was considered the best left guard in football last year. That is a tremendous – right guard in football, excuse me. That is a tremendous move. Uh, then they signed Caleb McGarry. Right. They picked up his fifth-year option. That's a pretty good move, too. I think he'll be better this year. I, I think if he's healthy, he he's a good quality offensive lineman. Yeah, they're both they're, they're, they're getting their line together. They're bolstering the line and trying to make sure that Desmond Ritter can stay upright. Jesse Bates the third, strong safety from Cincinnati, seventy six point eight PFF grade uh, this season. That ranked thirteenth at, at his position. And he had an 84.8 run defense rank, which was in the top five. Jesse Bates is a strong safety, I believe. Something that is going to really put fire under Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant to play better at that safety position, which I thought they did already. I think it's just adding depth and experience to that position. I think Atlanta, what they're doing right now, they're letting folks know, first off, I think the question – coming out of Atlanta is, what are you going to do at the quarterback position? 
Yes. Are you going to stick with Ritter? Yes, Taylor Heineke. That is a huge signing. That is a big time signing because now you have you have a guy who could actually not just only be a serviceable backup, but he could win the job. Mm-hmm. We've seen what this guy can do. He's he's very serviceable. He's a very serviceable quarterback and can move the pocket. You know, so he fits the offensive scheme. Now the question is: Do you give Ritter a chance? Do you give him a shot? Because you didn't get enough of him last year. You only he only played the final four games of the regular season. Well, and a lot of the teams that he played against were teams that were either out of the race or in the race or, or in the playoffs already. Yes, I did Tampa Bay. Yeah, and didn't have a lot to lose, so they just didn't have a lot to lose. Well, well um, everyone's saying the but, right but, things that Ritter is the number one per, the number one person heading into camp. They're all saying every- he should be the number one yes. guy going into camp. He should be. Right. He should be. Now it's up to him to win the job. And if he doesn't win the job, then that's on him. Mm-hmm. Just like it's going to be on Heineke if he doesn't win the job. They, they just have to come in there and they have to show up and show out. That's that simple. Yes. Who I'm thinking is, 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 in terms of the Cowboys, um, letting go of Ezekiel Elliott, I think we all kind of knew that that was happening. Um, you saw that his play was diminishing. You saw Pollock get a lot more carries than he did. Mm-hmm. And it, it just started to happen once he got that big-time money. And it frees up Dallas to do whatever they need to do. Dallas, I don't I don't know what they need to fix, but whatever it is, I hope they address it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And with the addition of Brandon Cooks, I think that's a great move for him. But – this season is going to have to fall on Dak Prescott. He has got to do better. He's got to play better. It, it's it's no excuse for him. He has got to play better, and he has got to play what his contract says to him. It, it's just that simple. Leon, what you got? Well, with the sign of Brandon Cooks, it, it, I mean, it takes him out of running for Odell Beckham. You know, because if you you know, because the Cowboys were. A potential destination for Odell, but once they sign Brandon Cooks, it's like you know, I, I kind of I, I would like to I, I would like to see Odell Beckham in Dallas, mm-hmm. you know. But now you know, but and Brandon Cooks, I think he's all right. You know, he's okay. You know, twelve point three yards. He's yeah, he's fast, but five foot. You know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, he just not. I mean, he's just not sexy enough for the Dallas. You know, what I mean, because now, with, especially after they traded Amari Cooper last year to to, to Cleveland, that makes CD Lamb the man. And I don't know if CD right now is ready to be the man. It's kind of it, it, it's kind of just like with Calvin Ridley. Was Calvin Ridley ready to be the man once Atlanta got rid of Julio? No. And he wasn't. No, he wasn't. You're right. He wasn't ready. So and it affected him mentally. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So when I look at a team like the Cowboys, who I guess they are the official America team, though I kind of give that to the Patriots. But with the spotlight on the Cowboys, and you got C.D. Lamb, who, you know, he hasn't really jumped off the paper with me. Especially his, especially his playoff performances. So I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I say, you know, seven. I'm saying seven hundred yards last year or six hundred ninety-nine yards last year to three touchdowns. You know, they paying him eighteen million dollars, gave him all his money guaranteed, so they're expecting big things out of him. But mm, it, it's just Brandon Cooks is just not that game changer that the Cowboys need. He's just not a, he's not a game changer. But if uh, if I'm Ceedee Lamb, it's really with with Brandon Cooks there is not going to affect his touches. Put it like that. Ceedee Lamb still gonna get a lot of touches. I think Ceedee Lamb definitely is their number one receiver. Uh, Brandon Cooks is there just to help him out. Maybe get some uh, make it so that teams have make it so teams don't double team. CD Lamb yeah. got to have someone that you can work that you can have to be concerned about on the other side of the line, so that all the protection isn't blanketed on CD Lamb. 
And they they need that secondary they need that secondary threat. We're going to Daniel's point about how the Cowboys have to get a different mindset because whenever this team goes on the road in the playoffs, they seem to become something completely different and are unable to get it done. So unless Dallas gets that one seed in the NFC, and there are a lot of teams. Comp- vying for it. The problem is they've got Philadelphia, the best team in the NFC the last two seasons, in their own division that they're going to have to face twice a year. So for them to get to even think about getting that one seed, they're going to have to first beat Philadelphia not once, but twice. Because I think they beat them, they went one and one against the Eagles this season, I think. Um, So they're going to have to do that. And that's what they're going to have to do. But mainly, like I said, like like Daniel said, they have to play well uh, pretty much all the time, not take games off, not just start uh, basically hurting themselves in terms of pressure-packed situations. And that's what the Cowboys have to do. And whether or not that's Dak Prescott, that's on Dak, whether he's thinking too much or the pressure gets to him, I don't know but they have to be able to kind of stay in that regular season mindset and not change their mindset when they are presented with a tough road situation in the playoffs. Because once they went to San Francisco last season, it was, you know, they were, you could tell right when that game started that they were cooked. And, of course, San Francisco got cooked right when right when their game started as Brock Purdy uh, lost the ability to throw, so you know that's that's the whole thing. But they got they got to find some way to not change their mindset when they're in tops when they're in tough situations. That's that's my feeling about the Cowboys. And for the Falcons, we also I, there's one other player I wanted to mention, and that's uh, Jonu Smith, uh, the tight end that Atlanta picked up, uh, and he was reunited with his head coach Arthur Smith, who was the uh, offensive coordinator up up there in Tennessee so that's someone to that's another one of your targets for Desmond Ritter and he'll be backing up Kyle Pitts in the in the tight end slot so that's good another another good defender Um, again none of these none of these uh, names have the Falcons broke the bank for so they're still going to be in prime position depending on how the free agent market will will shake itself out I think they're still in line for another. They could still use another playmaker, uh, be it a running back or another wide receiver. They're not going to go quarterback because I think now that they're finally out of the tough cap situation, they are no in no hurry to get back into a tough cap situation, and that's what going after these quarterbacks will entail. I think they're I think they're happy with Ritter. They got the backup in Heineke, and it's just a matter they they're they're good one way or the other. Um, Heineke was about ready to go back to Washington, but then the Falcons called his agent, gave him a better offer, and of course, so again, he's happy to be coming back home. And again, as I said earlier, he went to Collins Hill up there in Lawrenceville, so hopefully he'll, all those Collins Hill fans will want to come down to Atlanta and see him play. So I think the Falcons are in a good, I think the Falcons are in a good position. They're they're not, they are being judicious with their cap money. Not really. They're just waiting to see how the market. How the market uh, shakes itself out. Again, we're still early. Uh, we still got about five more weeks before the draft. So it's just, it's just, even though the, even though the week, the year has started, it's starting slowly. Uh, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. That's pretty much a done deal. Um, so Green Bay is going to be in the, in the Jordan Love era now. And again, the whole, and again, the whole thing with Lamar Jackson, that is going to be an issue as well. We've said this many times. The Deshaun Watson to the, uh, to the Browns, that, that, that contract really fouled up the quarterback market. Um, and so quarterbacks are going to be very, it, it's going to be a little bit off kilter for a little bit. And I think this season is definitely going to show it. I like Rodgers to the Jets. I think that, I, I think, again, I think Aaron had, might have a little, I think Aaron has more left in the tank than Brett Favre did when he left uh, Green Bay for the Jets. And I think now, I gotta, what? I got to say it, man. All right, go, all right, all right. You think Aaron? What if, what if the Jets go with 8-8, eight eight, right? Yep. 
and then Aaron Rodgers signs with the with the Vikings and replaces Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, as it is, Aaron is following the Brett Favre career tra- career trajectory. Uh, I'm just like I said. I think I'm just. Gl- I th- I th- I also think that the soap opera between Aaron and the Jets went. On, I'm sorry, Aaron and the Packers went on a lot longer than the Brett Favre and the and the Packers. I think this soap opera has been going on for about four years now. So I think I I think. Once Aaron gets back into it, I'm hoping that with this soap opera and the era of bad feelings behind him, he can focus on being a good qu- on, on a quarterback. Uh, yes, you're going to have to deal with Buffalo. You're going to have to deal uh, I mean, Buffalo's situation. Buffalo's going to be the number one team in that AL East for a while. Uh, the throne has been passed. The dynasty has been turned over. It's no longer New England's division. It is now Buffalo. Miami, you think they're set with Tua, but are they really? And then you, and then who else is it? Who else am I? And then New England, and New England is in rebuilding mode as well. I don't, I don't know if there is, if they're 100% set with Mac Jones. I'm not 100. I don't think they, I don't think they are. Uh, so you know, the Jets could be, as Leon said, eight and eight. Yeah, they could go eight and eight pretty easily. I think. Maybe maybe nine and seven, maybe seven and nine, maybe do what they did last season, contend for that second wild card spot or the third wild card spot in that division. But again, that division is Buffalo's. It's going to be Buffalo's for a while. Right now, if you're in the AFC, if, if right now if you're in the AFC East, you are trying to go to get second place. Second place will still get you a playoff berth. And then you're just going to have to hope you get some magic on your side and get a good draw with that first round game. All right. Can, can, can we speak on something real fast, guys? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I want to. Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. Denver Broncos, right? Yeah. He's stuck there. Okay. He's stuck there. But if the Denver Broncos have another lackluster season after they replace their head coach. Mm-hmm. Will the countdown not be in Russell Wilson's favor? Even though he signed that huge contract. I don't think and, I don't think anyone expected so, Denver to be as bad this season as they were. I don't think no one's right. no one saw that coming. And, and and this is and before you go, Daniel, and this is why I'm saying this. Because Russell Wilson's wife, the lovely Sierra, now understand that Russell Wilson is coming off a losing season. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to see is Russell Wilson on the red carpet, <laughs> smiling next to his naked wife in public, man. Well that was, that was the Oscars, wasn't it? Was that the Oscars he, he, or the he, Grammys? He, 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 it's, it was the Oscars. Okay, yeah. Oh, the Oscars. I'm sorry. It's the Oscars. I don't want to see you smiling next to anybody after that season you can't you just came off of. Look, if I find myself on the red carpet, it doesn't matter how the hell I get there, I'm smiling. <laughs> I don't care how I get there. I'm if I'm on that if I'm there, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I don't care if you have to pay this, but yeah, it's like okay, yeah, maybe my season stunk, but for one day, one day. I'm rubbing elbows with with the with the hoy and the poloi, you know. I'm smiling, but it's not even that. What was the? Didn't he do a mag? Didn't Sierra do a magazine cover where she, where she's on the beach and Russell Wilson is like behind and off to the left? Nah, uh, that was. I know you you would think he would do something like that. Now that that was actually Rihanna and ASAP Rocky. Okay. That was that was bad. Okay. That was bad. All right. Okay. Listen, I'm 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 married, but I ain't no damn robot. <laughs> Sierra looked good on that red carpet. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she hey listen. If I'm Russell Wilson and I'm going on that act every night, I'm not worried about third and three. Okay. Yes. It's just that yeah, for one it's night that I'm not for one night I'm taking a for, vacation. For one from night that. I ain't worried about third and I'm not worried about third and fifteen, and my team is three and eleven. Okay, exactly. Those are the things. Those are the things I need to worry about. There, 
Now back to back to Russ. Back to football. Uh, Russ, you know what, Leon? To answer your question, I, I don't know because remember it's the first season with Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. We know how Sean Payton is. He had the great Drew Brees. He, you can honestly say that he turned Drew Brees into the guy that he, that Drew Brees will will forever become, and that's the Pro Football Hall of Famer. He'll probably be first ballot, right? Right. But he's he was also. Uh, wasn't he the offensive coordinator at uh, at Dallas, I want to say? Or he was a quarterback coach of some sort? But he has a history of getting the best out of teams, of out of quarterbacks. And I didn't like him when he was with the Saints. Mm-hmm. But the Saints were always in it just about every season because he took on the personality of his team. If, if Denver could just buy into what He's doing because I believe they underachieved. I believe Russell Wilson just did not have a good year, and and that's just it. Like he was not at his very best. It was his first year. He had to get had to get used to to the high altitude that Denver is in. You know, he had to get used to all of that mess. So you know, it took some time to make adjustments. And I, I think with his skill set and what he can do, remember he listen. He ain't no slouch. We know that. He, he, when Russell Wilson is on, he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. He's top five easily when he's on. Mm-hmm. When he's off, he's he's in the bottom. He's in the bottom four. You know, and, and we saw that last year from him. He's not going to make the NFL top one hundred list. <laughs> we know that this year. Okay, he's not going to make that list. My thing with with him is. If he has, if he can have a possibly worse season than what he had, and I don't know if he could, then yes, I think you start to put him on the clock. But if he starts to show continuous improvement, and then you can probably look to other directions, like okay, defensively they're just not good. Uh, offensive line wasn't holding up. They didn't have a running game. They had to rely on him uh, to do all the leg work, just like Justin Fields in Chicago. Right. So it's it's more so on that lane, and it's more so on that level. We just have to see what this combination can do. I think they can do a lot. Do I think they win the division? No. They're not better than the Chargers. They're not better. They're definitely not better than Kansas City. And Las Vegas, we don't know what's going to happen with them because they're also in the quarterback limbo. They just lost Derek Carr. And they lost Darren Waller to the Giants. So Did they pick up Jimmy G? Yes, they picked up Garoppolo. That's right, they did. They're not in the quarterback limbo. John, you are absolutely right. They picked up Garoppolo. So now the argument is, are they better than Vegas? Are they better than Vegas? Leave the charges out of this. Yes, I I get what happened. And, Leon, I'm not going to bring it up. (laughs) But I get what happened in the playoffs. Okay? But the charges are still, to me, it's it's Kansas City and then Sandy, uh, San Diego. In Los Angeles. Just Chargers, right? Yeah. It's it's still those two at the top. And Vegas and Denver is just going to have to battle it out for that that third spot. But Russell Wilson with his skill set and Sean Payton with his coaching philosophy and with the greatness of coaching that he brings to the table, they could challenge. They're the wild card. They're the dangerous team in that division. They can be scary good or they can be the god-awful. <laughs> but it's up to them. It's up to how they want to do it. One more point about Atlanta. Yeah. I want to go back to Atlanta just a few minutes. Atlanta, what they're doing right now, of course, we don't know what they're going to do with that eighth pick if they're going to move up to get uh, to get a quarterback or if they're going to move up to get a defensive player. Atlanta needs to work on defense. Mm-hmm. they got Bates. They just signed him. They needed to work on that secondary because the secondary got banged up last year. But what is it that we always say Atlanta is missing? They're missing an edge rusher. Yep. If they can get in the free agency and they can get a quality edge rusher, I think Atlanta will be fine. And I think that they can compete in a division who, who's the best team might just be the New Orleans Saints because they got Derek Carr. And yes, Tampa Bay does have Baker Mayfield, but are yep. we sold on Baker Mayfield? Well, he certainly, uh, he, I guess he 
Baker's one of those. Oh god, how do I want to describe Baker? Um, He's a wild card. Yeah, wild card. I think he plays well. Once once he starts, yeah. he plays well. Then people realize, well, wait a minute, we have film on this guy. And then <laughs> and, and then they start looking at the film. And then before mm-hmm. you know it, Baker's throwing interceptions. So, yeah. I, so that's 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 my that's my take on on Baker Mayfield. Am I sold on him being the being the Buccaneers' starting quarterback? He might they might get out they might start well, but eventually, old Baker, who throws the interceptions, he'll show back up again. It's just a matter of just give just give him a couple days, a couple games. I swear to you, by October he's going to be throwing picks. Remember, Tom Brady. Tom Brady said, "Hold my rings, right?" Yep. But Tom Brady's looking but, at Miami. Yeah. That's where Tom. Said, hold that's my, that's where said, Tom's hold looking. Hold my team. Yeah. Tom Brady said, "Hold my team." Well, he's not. I think he's done. I think Tom is done with Tampa. If he's going anywhere, he's going to Miami. Not sure why, but that at least that's what the word. That's what the word is. Tom and I think yes, I've heard that too. And I think by bringing in Baker Mayfield, Tampa has said, "Okay, okay, fine, we're done with Tom. We are moving on from the Tom Brady era. We got ourselves a world championship. We got ourselves a Super Bowl. We got what we wanted out of him. And now it's back. Now it's back to uh, to rebuilding mode for Tampa. You know, we got we got what we wanted. We're cool. So they're just waiting for him to waiting for him to." Uh, Either see what Baker has got. If not, again, look to the draft for a quarterback. So, yeah, I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield, and we'll see what Derek Carr can bring to the table for New Orleans. And he's already got out. Al- I remember they do have Alvin Kamara, so it's just a matter of getting Kamara the ball. And but Kamara, what? How old is Kamara? He's got to be cl- 27 or 28. He's got to be getting up there. Oh, uh, let's let's see. Let's see, and and yeah, that's going to be a big loss for the Saints too, John. It, yeah, he he was their offense, and with him uh going down with this legal stuff that he's got going on, yep. uh, he's twenty, he's twenty seven, twenty seven. Okay. Um, because we all because yeah, we all with, know with once everything you, that he's got going on. Once you hit thirty, you're done, and I think that's yeah. and I think that's one of the reasons why Dallas got rid of Zeke. And I think they they're looking at that. Okay, we got Pollard. He's he's younger. He's cheaper. We'll write. We'll write him. We don't need Zeke. So that's so that. But he's going to miss a year. He's going to probably miss the year too because of his legal issue. Right, right, right. Yeah. So so we'll see what the, so we'll see what New Orleans does. Yes, they have Carr, but they he's they got to have people to, that he can throw to. And he's got to put that year in Vegas behind him, or that time in Vegas behind him. And he's got to stop worrying about getting out of the Phantom Zone because he looks like General Zod when he scowls on the sidelines. So, you know, that's that's the whole thing. All right, I'm John Morgan with right. Daniel and Leon. We're about ready to wrap it up here for the last three guys to do a podcast. And we just want you guys to know a couple things. First of all, uh, we're going to next week. Again, this is the part where we always say what we're going to be doing over the next week. Uh, really not much where our spring schedule is getting close to getting moving i'll be doing play-by-play for a certain espn plus georgia state taking on coastal carolina in the first second and third of a three-game softball series from the robert e heck softball complex over there in panthersville chanticleers will come into town and play georgia state again that's going to be on espn plus Looking forward to the looking forward to those games. March twenty fourth at five p.m. Eastern, March twenty fifth at one o'clock Eastern, and March twenty sixth at noon. Now it's all Eastern time on ESPN Plus. Panthers zero and three in the Sun Belt. They just dropped a three game set to South Alabama at in uh, Mobile. Lost eight to nothing, four to three, and nine to five. Baseball team did very well. They knocked off Troy in a weekend set over there at Panthersville. And actually, I'll be handling Georgia State baseball the following Friday, the 31st, in their game against Coastal Carolina as the Chanticleer softball comes up for three, then their baseball comes up for three. And I'll be uh, sitting in for Dave Cohen on the baseball series March 31st at uh, 
March 31st at Friday. And of course, we'll be starting our Pace Academy spring schedule on the NFHS network, Daniel and I. Uh, we're still kind of ironing things out in terms of what we're going to do, what the games are going to, what the games are going to look like. Um, the tentatively, the first game is going to be a boys soccer match against Lovett on the 30th. Daniel, of course, uh, he won't be, will be on a crew, so we're going to try to hopefully accommodate him, and of course, we're going to try to figure out some good dates for that. But again, as soon as we find out about those, we'll let you know on the NFHS network. And of course, ESPN Plus for me this weekend, Georgia State softball against Coastal Carolina. Chanticleers, looking forward to that. Uh, Major League Baseball will be starting up in about a, with opening day. That'll be March 30th, so looking forward to that. We'll be talking baseball next week, and we'll be talking about the the. Sweet 16, the Elite 8, and the Final 4 next week as well here on the last three guys to a podcast. Appreciate all your support. Again, if you are one of the three subscribers on our Anchor Cast, appreciate that. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Let's try to get that to four when I check it again in a few days. Uh, my home internet is down, so I'll be can't quite doing that for that, but we'll try it later. So, again, we'll see you next week. I'm John for Daniel Bolton-Leon Brown. This has been last three guys. Nice to do Faster guys do a podcast, and we'll see you next week. So have a good night.